All right. It's so good to be here. You guys can be seated. I'm going to ask you to stand up one more time. Well, no, I won't. It's so good to be here. And I've said that for the past three years that I've been here. And each time I mean it. I sincerely mean it. Let me say this before we go, before we get started. You guys have the nicest pastors in the world. Can we please praise God for Pastor Scott and Pastor Jen Obrimsky? Come on, let's praise God for them. I mean, they are great people, just genuinely just nice people. It's good to hang out with them and everything. Uh, my baby girl's here, my baby's mama, my girlfriend, and my mistress all wrapped in one woman is here. That's her right there. Jessica, just wave at the people. Can y'all just clap for Jessica, my wife? We've been married 18 years. We've been married 18 years. It'll be 19 in December. Um, we've been pastoring for 17 years, am I right? And, and it's just a blessing. Who's ready for the word today? God bless your people. God bless your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's look at Genesis chapter 50. Genesis chapter 50 on your device, your phone, your Bible app, whatever you have. I want you to get that out, and I want you to look at it. Um, and we're going to start at verse 19. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. And prayerfully, this message blesses you as it blessed me in preparing it. It says this, but Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position. Say that. He brought me to this position. Say it. He brought me to this position. So I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. Hmm. We know Joe's story. Joe gets to the point where he finally has the power to do what most of us in here would do. He has worked his way up the ranks of an Egyptian empire he was sold as a slave into. He has endured trauma after trauma from within the walls of this foreign empire. But the most glaring trauma in his life is the one that came from the hands of people who loved him or were supposed to love him the most. At this point in the life of Joseph, he finally has the power to make them pay. He finally has the power to retaliate. He finally got the power to get them back. But in Genesis 50, we see Joseph passing a test that we will encounter every day of our lives. Somebody say, what's the test? What's the test? Joseph passed the test of people. Summit Park Church. I believe this summer God wants us to pass the people test. Do me a favor. If you're not too mean and you sit next to somebody that's not, not mean, lean over to them and say, pass the people test. 
It was Christian attorney and author Bob Goff who said, and I quote, sadly, whenever I make my opinions about difficult people more important than the difficult people God made, I turn wine back into water. I'm trying to resist the bait that darkness offers me every day to trade kindness for rightness. These are not mutually exclusive ideas, he says, of course, but there's a big difference between being kind and being right. End quote. When we don't pass the test of people, we are in a sense setting ourselves in a position to reverse or even block the supernatural distribution of kindness from Jesus that he wants to display through us within our particular spheres of influence. The truth of the matter is God loves people. Amen? God saves people. God wants people. And God uses people to show people how much of a people person he is. So if we're going to be effective followers of Jesus, we have to pass the people test. You can't escape it. I've tried. All the introverts in here just wave at me. Put your hands back down real quick because you don't want nobody to look at you or talk to you. I've tried to escape it. You can't escape it. Why, Pastor? People are everywhere. They're at the mall. They're here right now. They're at the gas station. They're in your house. And God is so passionate about people and intentional about relationships that he has purpose, get this, for new levels in our lives to be locked inside of people. What do you mean? You can tell what God is getting ready to do in your life based on the people he allows to walk in it. Think about this. Jesus chose to give us gifts as he ascended to heaven. He's resurrected, he's ascending, and he chose to give us gifts. He didn't throw down coupon codes to Starbucks. He didn't throw down coupon codes to Foot Locker. He didn't throw down keys to houses and keys to cars. What did he give? Ephesians 4 says he ascended on high. He gave gifts to his people. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for the work of service. What gifts did Jesus give? He gave people as gifts to people. And one of the ways we honor him the most is by the healthy stewardship, are y'all still with me, of the people around us. <sighs> Let me get going. This is just my intro. Bear with me. Here we go. We're going to get into this. Here we go. Somebody say, pass the people test. Got to pass it. We're in a live in an age where being understood is more important than being understanding. We're being heard is more important than hearing. We're being seen is way more important and a priority over seeing. I don't know if you've noticed, but people are becoming more and more detached from actual reality of physical interaction that actually demands something called social skills. And we are slowly becoming a people so used to a cyber interaction 
that we crave freedom of expression without the consequence of having to actually physically engage with people. We live in a I don't do people era. Don't raise your hand, but you've said that. I don't do people. I can't get in a life group because I don't do people. I won't come to the events because I don't do people. I come in, I praise God, and I leave. Don't want to talk to people because I don't do people. Where we would rather deal with machines and we would rather talk to computers than to have to muster up the strength and the compassion to care about and carry somebody else's burdens or deal with their differences. And as a consequence, our people skills are poor at best. You can think that this has nothing to do with Jesus all you want, but it does. It's my sincere belief that God wants to restore his people's people skills. That with the coming revival is going to come a restoration of people skills. Why? Because people are too important to God for him to keep letting us push them away. Everybody say people skills. People skills are some of the most spiritual tools you can have. The fruit of the spirit is people skills. Most of the Ten Commandments are people skills. The example of Jew and Jesus, the ministry of Jesus in the earth, Emmanuel, God with us, meaning God with people. Somebody say pass the people test. Let's get to Joseph. From Joseph's childhood, Joseph has experienced with, Joseph's experience with people for the most part has been traumatic. Saddest part about this situation is the fact that most of Joseph's trauma was initiated by the hands of people of his own household. In the context of our text this weekend, Joseph has already passed the pit test. He's already passed the Potiphar test. He's already passed the prison test. Now Joseph is chilling in the palace struggling because he's having trouble passing the last test, which is the people test. Let me give you some context real quick so you can respect the content. There have been a famine in the land, just as Joseph predicted when he interpreted Pharaoh's dream. The famine has reached a place called Canaan, which is Joseph's homeland. And so whenever famine would hit the land, people would go to Egypt because Egypt had a whole lot of money and a whole lot of food. And they would be like a food bank to help people or to sell it to people in need. And so Joseph was placed over that particular part of the kingdom to oversee it, collecting and distributing the food. So the famine has caused his brothers to seek the purchase of grain. Everybody say seek the purchase of grain. And now for the first time in over 20 years in the text, Joseph is face to face squaring up with people who started all the craziness in his life. And they're only there because they need something. <laughs> so here's the first people test you got to pass. You ready? Take a picture if they put it up. Write it down if you can. You have to learn how to have a gospel-centered perspective of people's need. You have to learn how to have a gospel-centered perspective of people's need. Here it is. What You have to learn how to discern between what people actually need versus what I think people really need. 
Oh, I heard you giggling because you know what I'm talking about. I just feel like they just need a punch in the face. If you ever had a punch in the face, I bet they wouldn't talk like that. If they had a kick in the butt, I bet you they wouldn't, you know. But we got to discern. We have to learn how to see people as God sees them. And as a consequence, we will be able to see that their need isn't necessarily something I can meet, but it is something I can show them where to go to get met. People need Jesus. I don't know about you. But I came to Summit Park this morning to ask somebody in here, didn't you need Jesus? If there was a point in your life where things were going crazy and no solution could solve them, but you found the solution in a man who came over 2,000 years ago to die for your sins. Somebody say, I need Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, you need Jesus. Yeah, you. You need Jesus. That's why we're here right now. You need Jesus. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to imagine where your life would be if God let your offenses toward him block his view and his compassion towards your need. Mm. The gospel is living proof that having the power to meet a person's need takes precedence over having the power to punish a person's offense. Romans 5, 6 through 8 says this, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for sinners. Now, most people won't be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still out here bad. God has the power to meet our needs and he has the power to crush us, but he chooses to meet our needs as he forgives us. And as horrible as people were to you, they don't necessarily need your forgiveness. They need God's forgiveness. But can I help you with this? You need your forgiveness. You need to forgive because you need that forgiveness. God, get, you need to get out of the prison of that anger and get out of the prison of that bitterness and walk into the freedom that God has called you to live in. Let's get into it. Genesis 45, 1 through 3. Let's go. Here we go. It says Joseph could stand it no longer. There were many people in the room and he said to his attendants, out all of you. So he was done with his brothers when he told them who he was. Then he broke down and wept. He wept so loudly the Egyptians could hear him, and the word of it quickly went to Pharaoh's palace. Second people test I see is this, and you can write this down or take a picture of it. Being able to reveal who you truly are without the fear of rejection. That's people test number two. Can you reveal to people who you really are without operating in the fear of being rejected. That's people test number two. The three most powerful words in, this ver in these verses I just read are this, I am Joseph. Somebody say that, I am Joseph. Come on, I can't hear you say, I am Joseph. He's in front of his brothers, the brothers who sold him into slavery, the brothers who got him in all of this junk. 
They're finally in his face, and he can hold his identity no longer. He looks at him, and he says, I am Joseph. You may not have said that. You would have said, I am angry. I am upset. I am hurt. I am bitter. I am mad. I am vengeful. Oh, you don't remember me, huh? As you say, oh, you don't remember me? Uh-huh. Typical. I am the one you left for dead. I am the one you were jealous of. I am the one you sold into slavery. But I like how Joseph doesn't reveal himself to ridicule his brothers, but Joseph reveals himself to be recognized by his brothers. He doesn't just remind them, he doesn't remind them rather of what they did, but he simply reveals to them who he is. Who does that sound like? Jesus does this. I don't know about you, but it sounds a lot like God, how he deals with us. Jesus doesn't remind us of what we did in order to bring shame on us. He just reveals to us who he is in order to produce confidence within us. I am your savior. I am your king. I am your God. He doesn't come and say, I am mad at you. It's crazy to me. Another interesting thing about this is that Joseph very well could have kept hiding behind who they thought he was. But Joseph once again became vulnerable and subjected himself to the risk of his brother's rejection. God told me to tell you that you will not pass the people test living in the fear of rejection. I can't be who I really am because they won't accept me. I can't say what I'm really going through because they won't understand. I can't really be who I feel like I need to be because they won't get it. I feel like they're going to reject me. I feel like nobody will identify with me. God is calling us to a place where only his opinion of us matters. We sing it. I am chosen, not forsaken. We sing it, don't we? I am who you said I am. But we have no deep, close relationships. We refuse to get involved in community. We don't want anybody to know who we really are. We don't want to confess sin to one another that we may be healed. We're just content with confessing that we are who God says we are, but we don't operate like children of God. And I need everybody in here to know that your spirit cannot be broken by a person's rejection if that person doesn't possess your identity. The gospel restores our identity back to Jesus. It shows us that other people's approval, while it may add to our ego, it does nothing in the removal of our sins. Only the blood of Jesus can wash me. What can wash away my sins? Finish it. Not your opinion of me, not your thoughts of me, not what your mama think about me, not what your daddy said about me, but the blood of Jesus is the only thing that can wash me clean. You can think what you want. You can say what you want. You can do what you want. But it is his blood that makes me who I am today. Anybody in here grateful for the blood? Can we just give God praise for his blood? 
Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Then he says, Genesis 45, 4 through 7, please come closer. I'm about to get up out of here. Please come closer. So they came closer, and he said again, this is when he said it, I'm Joseph. Now he said, remember the one you sold into slavery in Egypt? But don't be upset. This trips me out. I don't even want to read the rest because it, it still blows my mind that he said this. And don't be angry with yourself for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here? Nah, bruh. You tripping. Look at what, am I lying? This is what he says. This is in the text. Look at the text. Don't be mad. I'm going to say, be mad and angry. Feel this. Sit in these emotions right now. Brothers, sit in these emotions right now. What are you feeling? What are you experiencing? Is it anger? Heartbroken? Yes, yeah, sit in that. I need you to sit in that because you should be. No. He says, don't be upset. Don't be angry for selling me to this place. The next three words, it was God who sent me here ahead of you for what? To preserve your lives. Ain't that just like God? Ooh, he be getting on my nerves sometimes. So while they're betraying me, he's protecting them. While they're not thinking about me, he's about to use me because he's thinking about them. The, I feel like preaching. I'm going to preach next service, huh? The famine that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more years, and there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. Joseph said, you were just an instrument in your own preservation. You thought you were getting rid of me, but really you were promoting me. Y'all miss what I said. Y'all miss what I said. You thought you were hating on me, but really you were helping me. God used, can I preach to somebody who God has ever used your enemies to bless you? God used you because he was thinking about you even when you were being an idiot and didn't understand what you were doing. People test number three, that we got to, it's the last one. We got to learn how to set people free from the circumstances knowing that God is in control of the outcome. You got to learn how to set people free from the circumstances knowing God is in Can you do this though? Can you trust God enough with your future to finally let go of your past? Can you stop blaming them for what they did? And can you let it go and say, if it hadn't been for the Lord who was on my side, I don't know where I would be. Yes, you did what you did. You said what you said. But God used everything you meant for evil and made it good. Joseph said, it was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your life. No, Joe. No. I don't accept. It was not. You wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them. It was them. It was their fault. They did it, Joe. Yo, Joey, they hurt you, Joey. They betrayed you, Joey. They, they left you for dead, Joe. The pain you endured is their fault. It's them. They did it. Don't let them off the hook, Joseph. That's what some of our hearts are saying. 
right now about some people in our lives. I'm not letting them off the hook. They did this. Yeah, okay, I'm a good man today, but I still needed my father. He wasn't there. I'm not letting him off the hook. Yeah, okay, God ended up blessing me in this situation, but they still stabbed me in the back, and I'm not letting them off the hook. But I think Jesus wants to show us something through Joseph. That Joseph had a totally different perspective of the circumstances because he understood the outcome. And the Holy Spirit told me this, and I want you to hear this. He said, some of you can't praise God for a favorable outcome because you are still slaves to unfavorable circumstances. what the Holy Spirit said. He said, there's somebody sitting in here right now who cannot praise me for the outcome that I've, that I've predestined them for because they are still bound by unfavorable circumstances. God told me to tell you circumstances don't have the authority to stop you from the outcome God has preordained before the foundations of the world. So what are you saying? Don't miss God's best for you while waiting for an apology from them. I'll say it again. Don't miss God's best for you waiting around for them to say I'm sorry. You got to get free enough to survive without a sorry. Can you survive without a sorry? If you can't survive without a sorry, you're not ready for destiny. If you can't survive without a sorry, you're not ready for the next thing God has for you. If, if you cannot progress without somebody saying sorry, you are not ready for all that God has for you. God is trying to train you how to move in purpose without hearing an apology. How do I do it? You set them free from the circumstance, knowing God is in control of the outcome. Circumstance may be grim. The outcome's going to be close. Circumstances are dark. The outcome's going to be full of light. The circumstances are chaotic, but the outcome is going to be peaceful. And can I help you real quick as we close? Jesus is Lord of the circumstances. Just as much as he's Lord of the outcomes. You know, we walk around here believing that God is the God of solution, but we don't understand he's also the God of process. That the same God who's waiting on you in destiny is accompanying you in the journey. The same God who says, I will be with you always, even until the end of the age, 
It's the same God who will help process you through situations and circumstances that are not favorable. That Jesus is Lord of circumstances. Yes, I lost it, but Jesus is Lord. Yes, they left me, but Jesus is Lord. Yes, it hurt me, but Jesus is Lord. No, they weren't there, but he's always been there. No, they weren't there to nurture me and nourish me, but I got everything I needed from his presence. That he is Lord of the circumstance, and he is also Lord of the outcome. And you can pass the people test through love and forgiveness, knowing Jesus went first. What do you mean? He was wounded for our transgressions. Oh, there we go. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes. I'm going to say it again. He was wounded. He went first. He went first. He went first. We can pass the people test because Jesus passed it. Jesus passed it. And he gave you the answers. He was wounded for our transgressions. We did that. He didn't. He was bruised for our iniquities. He was bruised for something I did. I caused it. Chastisement of my peace was upon him. And with the stripes, I'm healed. Jesus passed the people test with flying colors. And because Jesus passed the test, if you're in him, you get an A. Well, I still fail sometimes. You look on that report card. I bet you pull up your report card. Pull it up. You didn't do any of the work, just like you were back when you were in school. You didn't do none of the work. You just had a little nerdy friend. And your nerdy friend did all the work for you. And you passed with no effort. Can I tell you that Jesus is our nerdy friend? Jesus is your nerdy little friend who did all the work for you. And in the system, you have a passing grade because of what he did. Peter puts it like this, and I'm done. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering. Just as Christ suffered for you, he is your example, and you must follow in his steps. He never sinned nor deceived anyone. Okay, I failed there. He did not retaliate when he was insulted. F. I got an F. Let's just grade ourselves. Let's start. He never sinned nor deceived anyone. What's your grade, an A or an F? Somebody said a B, you lying. You are lying. He did not retaliate when he was insulted. It's a husband and wife here right now who got into it on the way here. 
And y'all like, just let us get through this service because when we get back in the car, Jimmy, I've got more to say. Watch this. Nor threatened revenge when he suffered. Do it again. Punch you in the face. He left. What did he do? Here it is. He gave us the answers. He gave us the answers. So we got failing grades. Then we get to the end. He gives us the answers. He left his case where? Whose hands? You mean to tell me? You mean to tell me? You mean to tell me? You mean to tell me that Jesus gave the Father something that his flesh probably wanted him to handle himself? Why did he give it in the Father's hands? What's the last line? He left his case in the hands of God who always judges we're not good judges you want to know why because we don't judge fairly we give ourselves more than we give others the beautiful thing about Jesus and I'm done is that with everything he went through at the hands of people and not just people at the cross and at his execution, but people in this room right now and me on this stage right now, after everything my sin has done to him, he continues to pass the people test because the, the scripture says his mercy is renewed every morning. Every day I wake up, there's fresh love for me. There's fresh mercy for me. There's fresh forgiveness for me. There's fresh compassion for me. No matter what I do to him, he constantly passes the me test. And in his power, I can forgive too. I can be merciful too. I can be gracious too. I can be loving too. I can be forgiving too. I can be compassionate too. I can be gentle too. I can be meek too. In his power, I can. And so I'm going to ask us to stand to our feet. Bow our heads and lift our hands. Thank you, Jesus. I know we have prayer team people. I'm going to turn it over to someone um, transition person a Summit Park Church staff person here in a minute but I just want us right now just to bow our heads stretch our hands toward heaven and just repeat after me say Father God help me pass this doggone test help me pass the people test.